Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block. Sorry for being a little bit late today. At the moment, we are hosted by myself, Ed M., Daniel, all the way from UK, Ed, all the way from Virginia, and Melissa Blasek, friend of the show, all the way from the Granite State, which, for those who don't know, is New Hampshire. How's everybody doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Melissa, as a guest... What's the biggest story of the year? Of the year? Oh, man. Year, we're finishing a year. Oh, my. Well, you know, it's one of the, we're living in times where it seems like, you know, if you even miss like a week, you've missed a lot. So I don't know how you come up with the, the biggest story of the year. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one. Um, I think, well, I've been feeling in the last few weeks. And maybe this has to do with Twitter. I don't know. But I've been feeling a lot of, yeah, I ended up on the right side of history. And um, and it's and it's becoming mainstream to, to know that, that we were on the right side of history. Well, I'm feeling pretty vindicated and good about it. In what way? I think that people are starting to see that um, there was systematic suppression of information that lots of things and lockdowns were damaging and unhelpful. Masks don't work. Um, the vaccine thing was pretty much an utter failure of an experiment. Um, and I like being on the right side of history about a lot of that. So yeah, it's, I, I, I'm feeling a little optimistic. I'm kind of an optimist, but I, I'm feeling a little optimistic uh, at the end of this year that people are starting to see it. I wish I would have known that before I invited you back on the show. <laughs> I didn't know we do optimism. That's really fascinating. I'm glad you're saying that. That's really interesting. Anybody else optimistic? Um, I guess I'm I alone. I'm not. I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I mean, things can go either way. I mean, I know. I, I think that everybody's positive about the Elon Musk Twitter business, which is definitely I, a positive. I think there are three positive stories. Uh, I mean, the three biggest stories of the year, obviously, to be beginning of the year, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I think um, I'm seeing conservatives uh, online start to react negatively to McConnell's uh, statement that uh, supporting Ukraine is the most important, um, you know, thing for Republicans and. Uh, I think, you know, throwing money at, at Ukraine is is the most important thing. I, I, I'm beginning to see pushback on that. I think that's very, uh, very good news. Um, and uh, of course, Twitter files, uh, uh, even though that I may suffer from recency bias, the, the Twitter files are very much um, good news because it shows, again, um, you know, the, the actual censorship going on by the government. It, in, in a lot of ways, the Twitter files are the most important um, story since uh, the Snowden revelations. But I think like the Snowden revelations, the Twitter files will be buried um, fairly quickly. That doesn't mean that it isn't important. It isn't an important story. And of course, the third white pill of the year is the fact that, um, like I was, I was in Los Angeles uh, the other day and LAX was under a mask mandate. And I would say two thirds of the people, including people working for the TSA, maybe one third of the TSA agents aren't wearing masks, even though it's uh, mandated. 
So I think the, the white pill there is the, the pushback against uh, the COVID restrictions and the people just ignoring things now, even in deep blue Los Angeles. So I think that's a white pill. Um, it only took them three years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, going back to the Ukraine thing. So I was at a debate um, before the New Hampshire primary, and uh, I went to the debate in person for the U.S. Senate uh, Republican primary. And um, for a lot of people won't know this, but so Bruce Fenton was one of the candidates. He was very libertarian leaning Republican. Um, and he was asked about Ukraine and he was very emphatic, not one more penny, not one more boot on the ground. Why we are, I am done with the, you know, mi, you know, uh, military mis misadventures of the, of the country. And it was the biggest applause line of the debate in a room of Republicans. And it grew because it was, there was this uh, being in the room. I could feel it. I could sense it around him. Everyone was like, am I allowed to like this? I am allowed to like this, and then it, it really it, it was amazing to see the the switch in the kind of mainstream Republicans. Was Dan Bolduck at that debate? Don Bolduck, yes. And he was on the other side, wasn't he? Of he wasn't more pro. Yes, certainly. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a general, so you know, he's a general. <laughs> he he isn't as bad as. Some of them on that stage, I will say, some mm -hmm. were worse. But so Bruce, Bruce Fenton was at one end of that spectrum, certainly. Okay, Mike, how you doing, Mike? Hey, what's, what's the up? biggest story of the year in New Jersey? It, it, oh God, in New Jersey? No, oh, anywhere, anywhere. New <laughs> Jersey's boring. Um, I tend to agree with what Ed was saying about the the Twitter files and everything. I, I'm not sure that there is a bigger story other than obviously the the economy, uh, the inflation, uh, the continuing deteriorating situation. I think globally that we're facing um, those two issues to me are, are are front and center at this point. So, but I I think you know when it comes to free speech, what Elon Musk has done. I mean, I, I refer to him now as really not the he's sort of an imperfect hero. He's not perfect, but he's mostly good. And he's a, what he's exposed at Twitter hasn't obviously just exposed Twitter, but it's exposed Google and YouTube and Facebook and all of them because they've all been doing it. And arguably, again, there's no more important issue because of the effect that it has not only on our rights, but on elections. And I think until we get a hold of that and turn that ship around where Republicans generally are going to have trouble. Okay. It's not the biggest story of the year, though. It's kind of closing out the year um, with everything and with an election that Bannon used to say would give us a hundred seats forever, blah, blah, blah. The omnibus bill, which basically says to all of us, it doesn't matter what you fight for. You're still going to get the same turd. And the omnibus bill is, um, I have my favorite expression these days is Democrats light the room on fire and Republicans block the exit. So that's, <laughs> that's one of the many good ones. Yeah. I, I mean, the omnibus bill isn't even news, right? I mean, they do it all the time. So, I mean, it, it's, this it's is one of the bigger and, and worse ones they're saying this one really outdoes themselves. Yeah. I'm sure it does. Just Michelle Obama trail is the highlight for me. The what? 
the Michelle Obama trial is the highlight for me. Oh, of the omnibus bill or of the whole year? Of the omnibus bill. Is the, was it three and a half million for a Michelle Obama trial, nature trial? I, I hope it just goes out into the woods and stops. I mean, that yeah, good. preferably off a cliff. Oh, I missed that one. Oh, yeah, that's that's in the omnibus bill. Yes, definitely the Michelle Obama trail. It's in there with some other absolute abominations. But again, that was fed to us by Republicans. Did you say Obama nations or abominations? I didn't say, but <laughs> I should have said abominations. <laughs> So, yeah, back to haunt us. And, you know, which always brings the question, is she going to come back to haunt us? But that's more 23 and 2024. I never had the sense that she she has any desire for that. But you never know. I've heard predictions that, you know, Democrats aren't stupid. They know that. I mean, they're actually running a commercial in New Hampshire because we're first in the nation. Um urging it's Democrats, notable Democrats in the state of New Hampshire, urging Joe Biden not to run. And Did everybody see that? Because I saw that. Everybody saw that commercial? I'm not sure that I've seen that one. Oh, yeah. Melissa, if you have it, you should put it in the chat. It, it's pretty, I, I will find it. Um, it is. It's pretty amazing. It's yeah. very interesting. But didn't Who ran the commercial? Hampshire, Go ahead. New Hampshire Democrat Party, I believe. Oh, is, wow. is running a commercial and I, they're they're very notable Democrats in New Hampshire who are saying, please don't run Joe Biden. Um, and I I don't think they're that dumb. I think that it's possible that Joe Biden doesn't run. And well, wouldn't Michelle Obama just wipe the floor with any Republican? Hmm. Didn't New Hampshire lose its first in the nation status? Oh, yeah, we could talk about that. I, some people care about that. Um, yeah, so the Democrats, Democrat Party voted to make us the second primary on their schedule. And then they sent us a blackmail letter saying that with a list of demands, for instance, um, they want early voting. They want also all sorts of different legislative changes to loosen our election laws. And if we don't do that, then we don't even get second place. We get pushed to the back. And how about Republicans? Are you still first with Republicans? Yes. Okay, so it's only- now what will happen, so we have a law that says that we have to be the first in the nation primary, but the Democrats don't actually have to put anybody on the ticket. So what will, I believe, will happen if the Democrats keep this up is that there will actually just be a blank Democrat ballot. We have to issue it. Like, that's in our law. Um, actually, that's one of their list of blackmail demands is that we change our law, but they just won't file anyone. So we'll have a blank Democrat ballot and then we'll have a real Republican primary. Hmm. Do you have open primaries in New Hampshire? Yes. So all the Democrats will just vote Republican. So it's yeah, appalling. Mm -hmm. So you have to be registered independent. You can't be registered Democrat and vote, but you can be registered independent and vote. Um, and either primary, it is a problem. So this is part of how we've held on to our first nation primary status is by having that, like they, the parties won't give us first the nation primary if we don't hold on to that open primary because they think it creates, well, it does create higher voter turnout. Hmm. I honestly don't understand the open primary concept. I, I, I I don't sense. get it. I, I, the Republican Party is a private organization, and it should be able to determine its own um, 
Well, there are a couple of cases on that issue, Ed, one from California and one from Washington. And the reason why they can the state law can force an open primary is because they're taking state money to run the election. I see. It still doesn't make any sense. No, I completely agree. I would be okay giving up first the nation primary if it actually meant closing off our primaries. But you know, that that could end up having really big ramifications. Um, for the GOP presidential primary going forward. Because we, you know, I don't think we're going to be encountering a situation we've really seen before, which is, you know, Trump obviously going, running again. And there are going to be a lot of Democrats who'll be more than happy to see him on the ballot again. That's incredibly true. So we have the state is 60% registered independent because of our open primary system. Now, you have to realize when you actually look at the voter list, most of those 60% fall very squarely into one camp or the other, actually. Okay. Um, but that means that a lot of them actually very firmly fall into the Democrat camp, but they very well could vote in a Republican primary. That actually happened in um, up in Belknap County. There was a, a, a Democrat run organization that sort of came in and pretended to be nonpartisan, and, uh, but they wanted some. Republican reps out in the primaries and they kind of put their own little people in and then they got all these very much Democrat, very liberal registered independents and they got them all to turn out and vote for these other people and kick out the uh, Republican reps. So if this has to do with money, how come all states don't have open primaries? It's not that they it's not that they're required to us that they're allowed to state can say we don't we don't require an open primary. But the Supreme Court decisions that I'm thinking of held that because the state was the one paying for the primary, it could condition that payment of funds on keeping the primary open to all. So the state could. But, yes. Okay, the state party, basically. No, the, no, state, the state legislature. So South Carolina's primaries are open because of the state legislature? Yes, which has been controlled by Republicans since 2001, both houses, and I believe the governorship. They've had a trifecta for over 20 years. And and I know, because I was actually part of a campaign in 2014 to try and close the primary, the campaign include petitioning the legislature, filing lawsuits. They wouldn't do it. They just won't do it. And because here's why we've ta- we've talked about this also, but the GOP and the DNC they want this as a yes. condition to keep these early primaries. The parties themselves want it. Well, and the the, the Republicans want it because they want Democrats to Im- to influence the the choice of candidate to the left. That's the that's the reason. That's why Lindsey Graham is is the senator from South Carolina and can never be beaten. Because if he has any kind of challenge whatsoever, Democrats will flood the primary and vote for him. Mm-hmm. He will never lose a primary. Yeah. So once again, it boils down to Republicans. I think somebody said somebody something about locking a door. I think somebody said? Republicans block the exit. Yeah. yeah. Democrats yeah. light the room on fire. All right, Daniel, since you're with us all the way from UK, obviously the biggest story there is Megan. And the second biggest story is... Uh, <laughs> The king, I can't believe I'm saying the king, uh, telling Andrew where to get off. Yeah, um, well, um, I think a, the, yeah, I think your biggest issue is the the fall of the 
the governments, you know, the so, different well, prime ministers. The destruction of the Conservative Party, the, the, the complete the collapse of the Conservative Party. Let's talk about Megan and Andrew, then we'll get to serious stuff. Okay, well, with, with, with Megan, um, I think it's pretty much um, maybe about 80, 90% of, of British people don't like her and don't like um, Harry and are probably more on the side of the royal family than, than on their side. Um, and the, the support they do have is, is probably um amongst younger people and amongst people who um tend to be woke themselves TikTok, you know so right? um outside of woke people they have very little support and and most people kind of detest them and uh, we had a little controversy recently i don't know if you saw about um the the, the tv host jeremy clarkson um yeah and, and he made comments on megan and of course, what we've had happen, it, it happened to Piers Morgan as well, um, is that when we've had prominent people criticise her harshly, um, the entire media establishment has tried to drive them out of the job straight away. Um, uh, even though those people who are criticising her harshly are reflecting the views of the majority of the populace, really. Um and uh, Jeremy Clarkson um, made a kind of joking, uh, satirical comparison with Game of Thrones and a scene in Game of Thrones where um, Cersei Lannister was made to do a walk of shame naked. And, uh, and immediately, of course, we had all the kind of it's misogyny and he's a dinosaur and um, all these people coming out who've obviously never heard of satire. Um, and, uh, and, and of course, the, the race card was played yet again. But um, I think it's one area where it's quite good in a way because they keep playing this card. And the more they play it, the more people cotton on to it and realise that uh, it's just a means of silencing anyone who isn't woke. Um, my so, my sister uh, watched the Netflix uh, series. I, there's not yeah. enough money in the universe to, to pay me uh, to watch it, but she watched it. And don't she, worry, Ed, they'll print it for you if you want it. She, um, uh, her her she said that uh, Megan comes off as a complete and utter narcissist and uh, fool, and Harry comes off as someone who is uh, basically. Uh, in in uh, enthralled, you know, Stockholm syndrome to this person. Now, I do. Is that kind of the way? Um, that's that's the way people in, in England take it. Or I mean, and the people who support her have they even watched it? Do they even know what narcissism is? And narcissistic personality disorder. Well, I mean, no, because you know that's them as well. So they're they're seeing their own character traits reflected, and they like that. Um, I see. You know. I mean, he talks like someone who's been held hostage in a 15-hour seminar by feminists or... Uh, and, can, uh, can I ask, uh, I want to ask you intellectuals a question. I know you guys are very highly educated. What's the Greek word for people who hate redheads? Because we have to start calling it, you know, red hair phobia. There must be a Greek uh, word. I, I, well, I mean, you'd have to look up what red is. I don't know in Greek. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't used that one yet. 
Um, hey, well, he 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 has mentioned it, hasn't he? He's mentioned about uh, the prejudice he suffered as a ginger. He did, he uh, did say that. Okay, okay there you go. My comments on it. No ginger phobia. We got it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, quickly, what's your opinion on the Andrew thing? Finally. Um, I I think I think probably um that's a case where privilege has been a disadvantage because um you know if you look at why is it that Andrew's the only one who's been exposed of the um of the client list. You know the Epstein client list, and I think it's because uh, everyone knows that the royal family can't respond effectively except by paying people off. Um, and you know they know they've got a lot of money. They know that that they will pay pay up to hush it up as quickly as possible, and that's what happened. Um, well, I mean, um, I think I, I think the um, you know the the point of the whole Epstein thing. Um, was to, you know, get dirt on various people. And I think Andrew found himself um, sort of outside the politically powerful bubble that uh, all of the Epstein client list in the United States has found themselves. And, uh, you know, there was this girl who, uh, who was, I think, 17 at the time, and she uh, kept making a big deal out of it. And I, I don't, um, you know, I don't begin to understand the legality of, of what her suit involved, but I think the, uh, the Royals are uh, fodder for the tabloid press here in the United States as well as they are in, uh, in the UK, whereas someone else might be shut down immediately. Um, the Bill Clinton, for instance. I mean, nobody's going yeah. to talk about him. Now, she was just um, arrested this year, right? Sorry? Yeah, was that this? You year? mean Gisley Maxwell? Yeah. Um, in New Hampshire. Yeah, there was a rumor that Melissa was, was, was the one hiding her in New Hampshire. That's what I heard. I think it was 2021. Was it 2021? But nobody, not nobody in America who's prominent is ever going to get you know outed from that list, right? That's, no, that's a dead story. I think the the thing not is unless, not unless uh, Elon Elon Musk buys the FBI. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. But I, uh, again, if if it's someone who is out of sorts with the establishment, they they will get outed. Um, uh, but it, what you know, Trump isn't one of them, or he would have been outed a while ago. Uh, Elon wasn't one of them, um, or he would have been. And, and you know, and Elon really isn't a conservative, but he's sort of on the outside. Right, but Dershowitz um, kind of straddles that line, and yet. You know, he's sort of able to stay out of it if he's in it. Yeah, they might not have. Uh, well, I don't know what the FBI has, but there might not be anyone uh, external to Dershowitz who is believable. Uh, you, you, who is believable as believable as this woman was who? Uh, What's her name? Who about? had sex with uh, Prince Andrew? I think that the Prince Andrew thing as well. Uh, um, that the. the that, you know, there's obviously the the moral thing, which is is incredibly sleazy for a man of that age to sleep with a seventeen year old. But um, you know, once once we get over that that uh, kind of moral objection, um, just looking at in in practical terms, Andrew did everything wrong in how to deal with a crisis like that. You know, and and, and a um, a dent to your public image of that because 
what he should have done is is uh, kind of confessed immediately, uh, but in a way that controlled the narrative for himself. And, um, you know, anyone giving him good advice would have said to him, um, you know, admit that if it's actually happened, admit that it's happened, but she's over the legal age of consent. You you weren't sure of what the circumstances were and uh, you deeply regret it. And that would be the standard political response that you'd get from someone who's actually a politician. Um, but Andrew obviously isn't a politician. Let me ask you a question. So Charles obviously survived his scandals. And yep. are the Brits surprised that Charles would throw his own brother under the bus? Um. I don't think that most British people see it like that. I, there's a lot of British people who respond by saying they don't like Andrew and Andrew's a nonce now. Um, you know, they, they will call him a nonce outright. Um, so um, Charles setting him aside looks like the responsible and dutiful thing to do, really. But there's always been, apparently there's always been some tension between Andrew and Charles anyway. That they they've always clashed. It's a weird uh, thing in the sense of um, uh, the way the United States works. Right, the, the United States has decided that it can enforce U.S. law on non-U.S. people um, outside of the United States, and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not defending having sex with 17 year olds, but, you know, if if this, uh, you know, if this Epstein Island is a part of the Bahamas and uh, Prince Andrew had sex with a 17 year old in, in the Bahamas, um, you know, that is not a crime the United States would uh, should have any jurisdiction over. Just like if I were mugged in Paris by someone, um, I would not expect the FBI to investigate and to, um, uh, you know, to uh, uh, put a, an indictment on uh, my mugger. That's the French police's uh, job. And uh, I, I, the United States has, has a constantly is trying to uh, enforce U.S. law outside of the borders of the United States. Um, and it's... Um, it's a real issue. It's a real problem, and there, there is, I guess, a, a difference between people who who make war against the United States, or if you're in a country with no government, you know, Somalia or something, um, or you know, Nigeria or something, where it's kind of there is no government to to back up, uh, you know, an attack on Americans. But um, and isn't the jurisdictional you know, hook though that all all the solicitation, all of the organization was done in the United States and then they just flew to another island to do it? Um, I potentially. I, I, I don't know what the legal uh, justification is and I'm not, uh, you know, a lawyer, but again, the, the crime. And, and then it, see, the weird thing is like, I don't even know whether it's a crime, right? Because as as has been pointed out, you know, what, what is the age of consent? Is it 16? I mean, in many states, it's 16. So I, I think they're just, um, I, I think they're just trying to um, selectively enforce U.S. law outside of the United States. Um, 
not that I don't feel bad for this girl, although she was an idiot to get involved with to begin with, but, um, I agree. That's a problem. Yeah. And I agree that they are trying to extend their jurisdictional clause too far in many cases, and maybe even in this one, but this is a case where there is a tie to the United States. This, this isn't like, Right. I mean, that has no, there's no connection to the United States, whereas I can see plenty of, of connections between Epstein Island and the U.S. for there to potentially be a hook. I'm not sure. I mean, or look at FTX. Right. I mean, that took place in the Bahamas, too. But so much of it was, you know, the advertising was aimed at the U.S. The, the solicitation of investment was in the U.S. Many of the depositors were in the U.S. I mean, I don't think that he should be able to escape escape our our laws just because he set up shop in in uh in a foreign country was this 17 year old girl american do we know anything about yes she was so i mean that's something too i mean it sounds like it was a bit of human trafficking no i mean from with united states citizens i mean that that's another kind of tie yeah That's actually a pretty interesting discussion for another day, jurisdictional questions. Um, I promised I'd get back to the serious thing. Ed P., you brought up about English governments folding and the death of their conservative party. Daniel, if you want to pick that up for a minute. Yeah, well, they're, they're still on track to be absolutely wiped out in the next election because they're polling at about 20%. Um, and the, the the Reform Party, which is the, the the kind of Nigel Farage linked party, although he's he's not being that upfront about um, fronting it anymore. He's not that he's not the uh, the leader of that party, um, but they're polling at nine percent, so they're going to drag away a lot of Conservative voters, and the 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 core. Conservative vote is very disgruntled with them because basically the, the, the Conservatives have been in power for 12 years or so and we've seen lots and lots of left-wing policies from them. So they, they've completely disgruntled their core voters. Their, their, their key selling point um, has always been economic competence and COVID wrecked that for them. Um, so uh, the, the fact that they went along with with the lockdowns, the masks, the mandates, um, the, the the kind of the totalitarian responses that we we saw from from left wing governments everywhere as well, um, it has really gone down poorly with a lot of their core vote, and it's similar with, with um, things like net zero. You know, a lot of conservative voters uh, are tend to be the ones who are more sceptical about um, climate change and the necessity of uh, um, uh, green measures. So they're, they're alienating the people who normally vote for them. Um, and then you've got, you know, governments that, that are in uh, bad uh, economic situations always get punished for that um, at the voting booth. So it's a it's a combination of things, but they've they've really blown it, um, and they've even blown Brexit, which was their big selling point, and the thing that lured over a lot of the traditional left wing voters who 
um, might have had socialist ideas in some ways, but at the same time wanted to be free of European bureaucracy. And uh, the fact that the Conservatives have mismanaged that and not entirely reaped the benefits of that um, is also uh, something that that's, will punish them. So, the, yeah, they're looking at a wipeout at the next election. Okay. Um, I want to posit that one of the biggest stories of this year was the Durham report being released, no? What? <laughs> You mean you mean the Bull Durham report? <laughs> I guess I guess the Durham report is right under yeah. the report on who leaked the uh, Supreme Court decision. Yeah, right. But again, if enough time goes by, nobody cares. You know, the funny thing is, well, is we should talk. We should talk about all the stories that ought to be big news that people completely forget about. Yeah. Um, all of the mass shootings committed by uh, non-white people. The um, uh, <laughs> the Las Vegas shooting. No one has any curiosity about that. Uh, there, um, we should keep a list of all of the stories that could uh, be big news. That I hire you for that. It's a great idea. Yeah, because it is no a one big deal. All these stories <laughs> that are just you know totally ghosted. Well, so is that the is that Las Vegas one? Is that the non-binary shooter, or is that a different one? Uh, that was a few years ago where he he shot into the crowd of uh, music people from the oh, hotel. Oh yeah, allegedly. yeah. That was like sixty dead or something, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That was a BFD, as Joe Biden would say. But the, yeah, but the um the non-binary ones disappeared straight away, hasn't it? Yeah, the non-binary one exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. what's it? Go ahead, go ahead, Melissa. Oh, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, you can do it. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's interesting when we talk about the top stories of the year, how COVID is now down, down the list a little bit, right? I mean, I think that after the last two years, it was front and center, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't still a big, big story. And the fact that the vaccines day by day, we, we know uh, are ineffective and potentially really, really dangerous. And we learned that the Pfizer executives along the way told us they weren't upfront about the side effects and everything that happened. So it's just, you know, it's sort of interesting how, um, while COVID is still there and there's a number of issues associated with it. So some are saying- Not, not the number DeSantis one issue of the year. DeSantis won a super victory because the judge is allowing his grand jury. I don't know the legalities, why it was a big deal, but apparently he is going to go ahead with some type of investigation mm -hmm. that could possibly be interesting since it's in Florida. Godspeed on that one. Yeah, you know, I want to kind of tie in the COVID thing and then even what Daniel was saying, you know, in the, the 2022 election. So no one talked about COVID in the 2022 election. People kept coming to me saying, like, why is there, why aren't the Republicans using this? And it's like, well, because they were complicit in it. I mean, it's, it is hard for them to own this issue when most of them just kind of like went along with it. I mean, I, I have a Republican governor and we were locked down. And so it's really hard for them to change that angle and take ownership of it. Now, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't pivot and do that. We absolutely should have. You know, I'm starting to look at exit polling and, and pulling data for the NHGOP and um, it's very clear that Gen Z ruined the red. It is not that the Democrats 
won in 2022. It is that the Republicans lost in 2022. Okay. And Gen Z destroyed the red wave. Now they were breaking for us until Dobbs and they were doing that not overwhelmingly, but they were slightly because of COVID issues. They actually align with us on COVID issues. It's a generation that lost years of school. They were more masked up, backed up, tested up, and they knew it was nonsense. They had to wear two masks to go to school, and then they partied together all weekend, okay? So they knew it was nonsense. And so if we could have capitalized on that, but the problem is that, yes, the entire Republican Party just kind of fell into it and they have not managed to pull themselves up out of it. And I don't think that the COVID issue is gone as much as neither party wants to talk about it because they were both complicit. I totally agree, Melissa. And that was actually one of the sort of lesser stories that I, that I had on my list of really important stories, which uh, in January, we had the split decisions from the Supreme Court on the vaccine mandate issues Right. And it wasn't just the parties. The Supreme Court, likewise, refused to say that you have a right to your bodily integrity. You have a right to individual sovereignty. The arguments at the Supreme Court were about which government gets to tell you what to do with your body, the states or the federal government or, or the federal agencies. And so it wasn't just the parties. The Supreme Court, as supposed intellectual leaders of our country, could have issued a decision that said, you have a right to your body, your body, your choice. It wasn't and, the you know, argument they even made. I had I had a conversation with I my know. attorney general, you know, leading up to that case. And he's telling me, well, this is what's going to win. And I'm like, you're probably right. Like, this is the argument that wins. I said, and I actually said this to the attorney general. I said, so you're, but you're arguing that it's fine for people to needle rape you as long as it has the right chain of command. And he right. kind of giggled. And when, when Dobbs came out, you know, to me, that was the chickens coming home to roost. You know, if you read those dissenting opinions in Dobbs, my answer, my response to every one of them was, where were you on, on the vaccine mandate cases? Where was this? I mean, if you believe that you have a right to your body, where were you in January? That was five months earlier. And, and to me, that was the big story that, you know, we, we lost, you know, the, the culture lost this, my body, my choice. I mean, nobody's even mentioning it anymore. I mean, the only time you see it mentioned is sort of as a sneering or, or mocking kind of meme, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, if you have to take a vaccine, then, you know, you, you can't have an abortion, you know, and, and instead it should be sort of the reverse that, you know, you do have a right to your body and, you know, the abortion issue, we can talk about the, the rights of the, you know, any body, bodily integrity of the fetus, you know, that's a separate issue, but um, the, the argument for my body, my choice really disappeared in, in 2022 and I'm not sure how it gets revived. We should have, as a party, the Republican Party, should have 100%. taken ownership of my body, my choice. We were winning on that until Dobbs, and then we ran scared from it. And polling right. suggested, and, and every consultant told me, and every consultant told everybody, oh, you know, you don't just don't talk about it. Only talk about the economy. The economy is the winning issue. Me. And I bought into it. And you know what? Polling suggested that was true. Abortion was polling as like the number 10th issue, okay? But exit polls, it was the number one issue, all right? And I and said it at the time I said it in in September, um, you know, I shared with some of the people in our group a, a letter that I wrote for our local geo county GOP to Rona McDaniel about this issue. And you know, to me, every time the Democrats said, uh, you know, my body, my choice, they should have done. They should have responded with a picture of Fauci. 
Yeah, okay. my yeah. body weight choice, we should have owned this issue. This is okay, a- if they had Fauci on their mind, there'd be no need for abortion. <laughs> I like to say that the COVID issue is maybe the most, the, the ultimate pro-life issue. Like we should be taking ownership of this thing as, as a whole and yep. saying this is a huge pro-life issue, Republican Party. You know, wake up. It's so huge because they, they effectively, governments around the world conspire to break the Nuremberg Code. Um, and you can't get around that. Um, but the, the reason that there's so little response is because, exactly as you say, it's not just on a, a, an American level. Globally, virtually every government went along with it and was complicit with it. And when you've got virtually every politician was involved in it and complicit with it and every doctor and every journalist, um, how are you going to make them accountable? Because they're not going to make themselves accountable at any stage. Well, one of the one. weird things, uh, I'm sorry, one of the weird things about the, the COVID response, uh, I was talking to a friend um, this weekend, was, was the, the various governmental agencies and who had come up with a list of things to do and not do in the pandemic, in in a pandemic situation. And um, when COVID happened, uh, they went against essentially every one of their pre-planned recommendations, every single one they went against. And I'm not saying that the who is God or anything and that their recommendations made any sense, but, um, you know, it is odd that when, you know, after years and years and many, many epidemics, uh, you know, the various swine flus and whatnot um, that happened and they came up with the, this is what we really ought to do when faced with a, a somewhat more virulent disease, they went against all of them. And, and I, either they did that because they are completely incompetent and were just grasping at straws, uh, and I think that's part of it, or they did it uh, deliberately as a way to destroy uh, President Trump. I think that's never, also part of it. Never let a good crisis go to waste, Ed. Come on. Yeah. Never let a good that, crisis that, go to waste. Or because I, I do think there is a, a power list behind these bureaucrats that um, I think, you know, they're supposed to write papers um, and now they get to have actual power. You do this and you do that and you do this and we're going to do this. And, Question, and did any politician no. lose the election in 2022 because of COVID lockdown? Well, that's, it's interesting. I, I was going to say, Melissa was pointing to at least potentially problems with Gen Z, but there are a lot of people who were telling us it's Trump's fault. It's all Trump's fault. Trump's candidates and everything like that. And I'm still not sure that that's the truth at all. I still think that big tech uh, the big tech, big tech's influence in silencing conservative voices, voices on the right, and the Democrats' ground game in taking advantage of early voting, et cetera, were the two biggest factors. Definitely lots of factors, right? But why did DeSantis win so big? DeSantis won big for several reasons. Number one, because he became the anti-COVID fascism governor, okay? Mm-hmm. And so he could stand on that. 
And he could wave sure. that flag very proudly and it works. I know Democrats in Florida who voted for him. Okay. Democrats who voted for him. And I know gay Democrats who voted for him. They didn't care about the don't say gay bill. They were just so, they, they love the COVID stuff, right? So he waved that flag so proudly because he could, because he had taken ownership and he had led. And because he is such a good leader, um, he also, unlike what happened in a lot of states like my own, um, he really could be that strong force and he pulled the entire state together. You know, he fights with his legislature a lot, okay? But when it came to that election, they're one big happy family, one big team, and he pulled all of them. And because he had so much money, he had so much money to use. So there were there are two big money workhorses in the GOP right now, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And Donald Trump sat on his money and he didn't share a penny. And Ron DeSantis used it for the, his entire state to bring them to victory. And then, yes, and I think uh, yeah. Mitch McConnell used uh, a lot of the, you know, uh, Senate money to um, prop up his buddies who didn't really need propping up and to starve uh, some of the um, some of the, you know, candidates who are, you know, MAGA or not particularly swampy. And I think that's why we lost the seat in the Senate. I think there's a difference as well in in the position of a a position of an existing governor wanting to to do very well in his own state and the position of an ex president. Um, you know, the money that um, Trump has built up is money for a 2024 presidential run, and it's it should be down to the GOP. It should be down to the party to fund the the 2022 election runs of, of other Republicans, surely, not to, down to Trump. Yeah, but you have to realize there's only so many high-end donors for any given cause. Right now, the high-end donors are giving to two people in the Republican Party, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Um, they're not giving to the to the RNC. Um, and and uh, people are really harping on McCarthy and uh, McConnell's funds. And that is true. They were significant, but not nearly as significant the amount of money that Donald Trump had. So I, I, I get, you know, I, I, I was fielding calls sometimes from some of the, the Republican nominee candidates at the federal level being like, oh, what do you do? I get my Donald Trump endorsement a week before the election, which is only, you know, basically a negative. I thought it was going to come with some money at least, and it didn't even come with a penny. It usually does come with money, but he, he, it's all about him. It's all about him and his, yeah. there just wasn't money left over after everyone gave to Trump and DeSantis. We also, um, you know, Bill Clinton gets credit for this. He, he decided that, um, you know, back in the day that uh, there was no way to victory for the Democratic Party if they were specifically against millionaires and billionaires, as Bernie would say. And so he, he changed to a more business-friendly, um, you know, uh, policies and sucked in you know, over the next eight years, sucked in a lot of the millionaires, billionaires to um, to the Democratic cause by not being against 
you know, not being against think, business, being be more in partnership with business, where I think the Republicans were, 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 in fact, the party of business for a while. And now the Democrats have become the party of business. And right. Republicans are the party of, of, you know, middle class and, and poor people who don't have a lot of money to spend on elections. Now we have down yeah, the, the, the party of Ed, big like, business, not small business. Though. Ed, I've said yeah, it but I mean, before. Yeah. I think that Clinton's major move was the antitrust suit against Microsoft which on its face is pretty anti-business, but he basically took a big club to the biggest guy on the block and beat him up. And everybody else said, we got to fall in line. And they did. And that's where I think the th things changed. I think it was the Microsoft antitrust suit and the settlement that he got out of Bill Gates. That's what changed everything. I think as well, there's a difference in the um, people on the right think that their rhetoric and their policy has, has to match. And people on the left don't think that way. You know, the, the rhetoric can be very anti-business, but uh, if getting into bed with a particular business advances your cause, they do it. Um, you know, and, and it goes right back to, to sort of Alinsky and, and uh, you know, and um, the, the, the weathermen um, getting rich backers. You know, the, the, the very radical side of, of left politics has always courted rich people. Um, they're, they're not going to turn away money, and mm. they use it as part of their their warfare. So true. <laughs> so um, true. I'm being slightly infected by Melissa's optimism here. Two somewhat optimistic stories: um, Moms for Liberty that hold the whole parental rights movement. And I assume you guys saw that Stanford just relented. Oh, excellent. I did not oh, see that. I did not see that. Yep. They, they're going to, they're taking, take backsies, as I say. Yeah. Even though they spent what millions of dollars in 18 months or something coming up with that crazy list, they decided they're going to put it on hold or put it on the back yeah. burner or get rid of it. So we I can wish they American again. Backsies on, on the vaccine, uh, booster man um, i had uh, uh just had a, a family member uh distant family member uh a die of cancer the cancer was uh you know in remission and uh and being managed very well and then um you know he had to get various boosters for his job in california and then he came back with a you know vengeance and and he died and uh you know, I, I think that the Stanford's of the world are are going to put themselves in a lot of potential liability um, by enforcing this vaccine mandate on their uh, on their students when, when the students will, you know, a lot of die suddenly is going to go on. Well, kind of, I don't think there's going to be li legal liability, Ed. That's why the fraud so. angle is in Florida is so important. You know, that's sort of, you know, DeSantis's play here is to say that there was fraud. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously there has been um, fraud, uh, but it, that's fraud in the uh, bunch of guys sitting around saying, hey, they lied about their product uh, fraud right. rather than sort of the legal, you know, whatever fraud ends up being in some sort of legal uh, the real, terms. The real I, problem is that the fraud, the, the customer was the government and the government knew what was going on and was totally okay with it. So 
they really weren't defrauded. The you know it was it was a conspiracy is really what it was. But were the states aware? I actually contend that the states were not aware necessarily, which is why you know Florida going after this is important as the state of Florida, right? I mean. I can tell you, like, the, the states just are given these vaccines. They don't know anything about them other than the FDA. So when I, you know, thought I was going to win re-election, I had written a bill, and um, it was more of a messaging bill than anything else. It's not like I really necessarily thought it was going to become law, but um, it's a bill that says that the state of New Hampshire will neither purchase nor distribute nor promote any pharmaceutical product that hasn't had human clinical trials, Okay. And so this has been put in by, um, by, by another rep, but, um, you know, I, we've already heard back from the department. It's like, well, um, you know, we don't purchase these vaccines. They just get handed to us from the federal government. And like, why do you really need to have this? You know, it's the FDA's job and the FDA told us, so that's it. So I think that having from the state angle to kind of going after the federal government, if you have the will there, like they do in Florida. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. It's a it's a great idea. I hope it works. I would like for it to work. I think there's a chance it works, but there's a chance it's not going to work because I think that there's this uh, collusion between the governments and the, and the vaccine manufacturers. Ed, can you uh, do us a favor and explain to us lay folk, why is the grand jury the mechanism and not attorney general kind of thing? Uh, that's a that's a creature of Florida state criminal law, and I really don't know. Um, I'm I'm not a criminal lawyer anyway, so I I mean, well, I know someone the, is going to be presenting evidence to the grand jury. They are not an investigative body, so I assume that the attorney general is going to be doing that, right? Right, but I, I just I, I don't, don't know. know. With a grand jury, I, that confuses me. But. I don't know. Every every state's different. So when I looked into it, to doing that in New Hampshire. Again, thinking we're just going to have this great year. Um, we like we can't do that. That's not a thing here, right? Like the closest equivalent would be a house investigation. Mm, you can have a J six, or you could just, or you could just be like Pelosi and create a committee that has no valid legislative purpose whatsoever and do it anyhow. <laughs> well, going back to the stories that are big stories that are also not being mentioned is one full year more has passed with those people in jail. And I just saw today they just arrested some doctor, some 68-year-old doctor over J6. We're two plus two years already. And these poor people are still in jail and who cares? Well, wasn't the... Um, that, the that was the, on my list too, Stephen. Go ahead, Mike. Wasn't the, the, the woman who's uh, the head of libs of TikTok, wasn't she just doxxed? Wasn't wasn't she found to be? She was docked a, a while ago by but, Taylor Lorenz from the Washington Post, and uh, so she just showed uh, her face. Yeah, I mean, she I thought, I, I, thought I, I saw something about facial recognition, and they found that she was on on the uh, or at the Capitol on on January sixth. Oh, that I haven't heard. Are you serious? I thought I had seen something. I'll, oh, I, I'll look I it up. I thought know. I saw it on Twitter, where everything is true. So. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I think one of the other positive developments of the year, God, we're staying positive here, Stephen. This uh, is all Melissa's fault. She brought up uh, this contagious positivity. I, I, I think 
despite the fact that the Republicans didn't do nearly as well as we thought on Election Day and during the midterms, I think there was some positive momentum for conservatives and people on the right um, in terms of winning school board seats. And it was a, a real reaction not only to COVID, but the crazy woke sex ed agenda. That's, that's what I meant by the Moms for Liberty movement. Yeah, though, okay. The rental board of ed, ed movements. Right, okay. going to run on that too. I kept uh, saying that to people. Like Glenn Youngkin won Virginia because he ran on this issue. See, we lacked emotional issues. No one, it's, I know it's the economy, stupid, but it's pretty boring compared to the messaging out of the left. We should have been running on these issues. And they did in some school board races. Um. I guess I I could comment on this since he is my congressman, Mister. We think his name is George. We think his name is Santos, and we know nothing else about him is true. Well, he's Jewish. He's Jewish with a right. hyphen because he's, he's Jewish, and literally nothing the guy said about himself is true. And the funny part, obviously, is that Joe Biden is slightly vulnerable to this, although I think Santos has set new records in literally <laughs> making up every single thing about his record, which, you know. Yeah, I, I hear Elizabeth Warren is outraged. I, <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder, where was the opposition research on this guy that they let him even win in the first place? Was it because he's supposedly gay? I, I just, I'm embarrassed. He had a thousand signs up in my neighborhood. I mean, literally two feet apart. Just all over. I never heard of the guy. I probably voted for him because he was a Republican and I vote down the down the line. I had no clue who the guy was, but apparently I wouldn't have had I followed him. So that's a wild story. I, but I, I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's different than any other politician, to be honest. He's just a little bit more brazen. <laughs> I mean the the days of character and politicians are are over, right? Wait, you, you mean to tell me people could lie about their Vietnam history and become senators? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yes. But the, the, the thing or, is, he's lying, you know, compared to the lying that's been done by the mainstream media, by um, establishment bodies, by the Democratic Party. It, it's it's like a, a serial rapist condemning a jaywalker, isn't it? You know, um, he, his lying was, was kind of... Um, inflating his CV, essentially, wasn't it? Inflating, um, um, inflating suggested anything was true. I mean, this was like created out of thin air, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I would I would uh, turn it into a win because, um, uh, you know, one of the things he lied about was working for Goldman Sachs. Well, I, I think it's actually uh, increases your believability if it comes out that you didn't work for Goldman Sachs. So... Um, you know, you're, you're you're now a more trustworthy character because you didn't actually work for Goldman Sachs. So let me go totally psychotic. And is he just like uh, trolling everybody like that lady up in Canada or man up in Canada or whatever that person is? A person in Canada. The, the one with the, the fake uh, boobs. Mega oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe this guy was like saying, hey, I can like blatantly lie about everything and still get elected. And and that's how corrupt the political that practice be, that is, all that money funny. and making people believe your lies. Um, I mean, <laughs> you maybe. Know, that probably would have been a better explanation than the one he gave on uh, Tucker last night. Yeah, he should have taken my phone call. I hear Tulsi eviscerated him. Yeah. Yeah, the Jewish part just, I mean, I, I, I literally started laughing when I read that. I, 
out loud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, anyway, I, I mean, I've seen it. I, I'm not. Gonna well, he's it. like Kanye. He identifies as Jewish. <laughs> no, isn't Kanye? He's more Jewish than Jews, right? That's yeah, something like that. That's better than Jewish. All right, um, Mike. The uh, ex pope I hear is dying. Why do I pick on the oh. Italian? Uh, you got me on that one. <laughs> yes, supposedly Pope Francis said you got to go out and pray for Benedict. He's like in really. Mm -hmm. I had not heard that. You're more on top of the Catholic Church. Than no, I know my Catholic Church is the Pope Catholic. We will we'll leave, <laughs> that one. We'll leave that one alone for the moment. Many Catholics don't think the present one is, do they? Yeah, that's why that joke got destroyed, huh? Is the yeah. Pope Catholic. Yeah, pretty sad. Is Charles, they, they say he's kind of ecumenical. Is is that a problem over there? Does ecumenical mean pro-Muslim? <laughs> it could. It's just a big word for, I believe, in everything. I don't know. Well, he says to be, he's going to take the oath uh, to uh, defend all faiths rather than just, you know, the faith. He is the head of the Anglican Church, you know, the church being. I, I, think, that, I, I think that was... Um, he said that initially, and then I think he's been uh, it's been whispered in his ear that it, people aren't quite ready for that. Um, so I think he's backtracked a little bit on that. Um, that his intention will be to act as a defender of faiths, but the wording will still be defender of the faith. Well, could he like name himself Constantine and like make Muslim the official Islam the official religion of the whole uh, Commonwealth? Yeah, well, well, Charles uh, um, would probably be nutty enough to do that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, um, he, he's always been one of those uh, uh, kind of um, white Westerners who's who's very enamoured of Islam. Um, uh, I, I don't know why, but he's always been that way. Um, a, a very different position to mine. <laughs> he's he's an odd person because as a you know as a monarch he couldn't be more of a follower i don't think he's had an original idea um or an idea that went against the the herd uh in his entire life and uh you know it's I a, think, a, I think a far the cry way, the only way he goes against right? the, the kind of liberal mainstream uh the was probably on architecture because he's very much a traditionalist on on art and architecture, and and that's about it. And everything else, like his sons, really. I mean, I mean, William is nowhere near as bad as Harry, but they're all pretty much liberals. Surprising, huh? I've never understood the uh, interest in royals necessarily, especially Americans' interest in British royals, but. Um, so are they just like the ultimate celebrities in England? Like to the English, they're just like the ultimate celebrity. I, I, I think probably um, people who aren't British would be surprised by how little most people care most of the time. Um, yeah, but the, the the Queen had a lot of respect, but um, that you you don't get that many fanatical royalists amongst British people. Okay. But I, um, his coronation isn't going to be like the event of the decade. 
Oh yeah, it will it will be huge, and um, but that's that's not really the decision of of kind of ordinary voters, is it? That's uh, that will go ahead regardless. If people won't flock to the palace on mass. I mean, they won't go nuts for it. Point a camera a, a rock long enough, and people will flock to it. You know that is. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and I also it, had a question about um, your postal service over there because I have not yet gotten my invitation. What's going on? Oh, I, I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, um, obviously I'm going to be attending the coronation, but um, I'm only I'm only allowed 14 guests, I think it is, and, and none of you make the cut. So, Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> not even Melissa. We haven't bought oh. enough books yet. <laughs> We need to buy more books. Yeah, yeah. Um, it flags up on my screen. If you buy 10 or more, then you've got a chance, you know? All right. There we go. You can win a, win a luxury booth or something. Yeah. yeah. I think they think that Americans want there to be like royals, that they want American royalty. I think that's like... The, uh, I, on the left, on the left, they do. I mean, historically, you think about the Kennedys and even the uh -huh. way the Obamas have been. And, and then you get somebody like Meghan Markle, who's a twofer, right? I mean, you think, <laughs> yeah, Hollywood and uh, and, and royalty, uh, British royal family. On the right, I mean, just you need to say that Fauci like that now. Right? I mean, he's been elevated to such a status, you know. <laughs> the, the Republicans are just as much into royalty. I mean, the the Bush family, you the know, Nunes the whole in New Hampshire. You know, the whole notion of, of you know, people being next, you know, Trump thinking mm -hmm. that he's entitled to the, the nomination and that and that even what, you know, whatever happens in 24, DeSantis is in line for 28. I mean, what is that if not royalty or, 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 or some sort of, you know, royalty mindset? I mean, people should have to earn their positions, all of them. Oh, yeah. I, this, think, um, I, I don't know why people think I, I, I people get upset. Republicans get upset with me when I start talking something about maybe, you know, Trump not being the person in 2024. And I'm like, am I required to carry water for him for 12 years? Since when do we have to like devote the entire party to one man for 12 years? But I'm surprised there's so much backing for him up there in the Republican party. I don't no, mean like the, the party. No, the not, not within like people who are in politics, no, but in the base, yeah, there are still the diehard kind of cultist, you know. Well, listen, I mean, My uh, experience I, is that a lot of the religious conservatives are really supportive of Trump. Really? Yes. So we, we're not a very religious population overall up here. So I, I don't know if I see a correlation there, but they're definitely like this group. A lot of them were John Bulldog supporters um, and they have this like worship. Well, listen, I mean, uh, I, I had shared with you guys a friend of mine uh, is a pollster and he, he did a poll up in New Hampshire and he posted all the findings on Twitter. And so I, I think what he found was that, yeah, there still are Trumpists out there that they are into his personality. It's not it's not just the policies, but it's him. While what they see with DeSantis is. Uh, I think what we all kind of see, which is, yeah, we have the Trump policies, but we also have a guy who's got great leadership skills and doesn't have all the baggage <laughs> that Trump has. He leads with policy and a set of personality versus yeah. the other way around, right? And I, so I, I do think I there is a, but again, I do think there is a, a, a positive to Trump's bombast. I really do. Just like there was a positive to um, like Rush Limbaugh's bombast. Yep. But um, 
No, I think Rush Limbaugh was far more lovable. I, Rush a lovable little fuzzball. More of an yeah. entertainer. Well, I, yeah. I, it's, it's funny that the only non-American here is the one who is the religious Trumpist. Um, because uh, I, I, I still love the guy. Um, and uh, Wait a minute, uh, what's your address? We can ship him over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but here's what I always uh, try to say to people. I love him too. I just don't see him as ever being able to win again. The reality was he won in 2016 that he is the de facto leader of the party, has lost every election since then. I, I don't see it as him losing it. I see it as a combination of Democrat fraud and uh, Mitch McConnell type um, complicity. It doesn't matter Daniel, what it let me ask you. Let me ask you two things. Reality. Let me throw two things at you, Daniel. Number one, just this week it came out, Trump came out in favor of McCarthy. So how, how can you say it's all about, you know, the McConnell conspiracy when Trump is backing McCarthy instead of some upstart who He's might make you know, phone calls man he is literally calling and trying to whip votes for mccarthy right now as we speak and, and for and the omnibus and, and number two I, well, it's, not what I'd, it's, it's not what i'd advise him to do um but He's the, swamp. The, the, the thing is it's, it's odd because we're told at one and the same time that, that he's created this civil war in the republican party because he's selfish and bitter and um, shoots his mouth off and can't control himself. And we're told all of that about him. And at the same time, he has gone out and, and, and campaigned for uh, Republicans, you know, long past the time where a lot of people would have um, given up and said, these people don't deserve saving. Um, and he's like also, who? Who he you know, saved? he's taken he's taken on huge. Yeah, no, he lost, man. He, it was he to detriment that he came out and helped them because it did yeah. not help. Because that's my biggest issue with Donald Trump. He is unelectable. He's just unelectable. People, don't, there are not enough people who like him. He's kind of poison. He poisons people's campaigns. I, I, I think that's just sort of accepting the other side's perspective on him, to be honest. And um, you know. I, I, I can see people saying that, that a lot of the things that the actual specific tactics that DeSantis has used have been great. And I can understand people preferring DeSantis as a candidate on the basis of some of the measures he's taken as governor. I can, I can completely understand that. But this, this whole idea that, that uh, Trump is unelectable, Trump is poison, Trump is toxic, this is all programmed stuff from the media that's been going on for, for, for ages. And yes, some Republicans are now accepting that. But I, know, I gotta tell hey, you, yo, let me ask him on The Apprentice. Although I will tell you, my wife knows him somewhat personally and said personally he's a really good guy. I have no Dan idea. Let me ask Daniel one other thing. It came out this week in the Twitter files that the Trump administration was using and colluding with big tech just as much as the Biden administration. What's your thought on that? I mean, Trump has made some noises about being against the big tech monopoly, but- Well, uh, let's, 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 let's qualify what Ed just said. The deep state in both administrations were uh, basically involved in the social media. At the same time, the campaigns also, both Trump and Biden, um, 
and made requests to Twitter to take down information. Right. So I, 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 you know, it, it's certainly true that a large amount of the censorship that went on at all the social media companies of Twitter is an example. Um, it came during the Trump administration as well as the Biden administration. But uh, to say that it was Trump administration policy, that's that's silly. Well, what, one um, of my issues with Trump, though, is 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 he the Romney of, of, of 2024? I mean, we we nominated Romney to go against Obamacare in 2012. Is is Trump the right voice to come out against big tech, to come out against covid fascism? Yeah. Is, is he the right I, I voice right now? And I, I don't, I think I don't know has, that he is. I, I, you know, again, I agree. I think, uh, you know, uh, DeSantis is, you know, a better candidate. But I wonder if um, I've got questions about DeSantis too. But go ahead. I, I wonder if um, if DeSantis is going to pick up those thousand dollar bills, right? I mean, that I, I think the vaccine thing is good. I think the whole point of the vaccine grand jury is not to indict. Uh, Pfizer or Moderna, that's ridiculous. Um, but to bring to light certain facts that he can then say, oh my God, I was deceived because he has vaccine written all over him, right? So I think that the grand jury thing is DeSantis's way of trying to get an independent panel to allow him to go back on what he uh, constantly advocated, which was the vaccine. So I, I think it's an entirely an election ploy on DeSantis's part to to get him free. If he if he came out tomorrow and said, you know, I I've read Steve Kirsch and Alex Berenson, El Galamato, Agato Malo, sorry, uh, and now I believe the vaccines are poison. Um, people would think he was crazy. But so I think the whole thing is he, he sees that thousand dollar bill on the floor and he, he wants to pick it up, but he wants to have some sort of a uh, independent organization tell him that he's allowed to pick it up and quote unquote change his mind. Yeah, so I hope that's you're wrong. I really hope you're wrong, because if he does an investigation and holds no one accountable, I think he's setting up expectations that are going to hurt him. Oh, well, I mean, I, I yeah, a whole again, a whole thing is theater, but I think it's theater for him to to be able to, uh, uh, you know, officially change his mind. As Ed pointed out earlier, I, I think it's very difficult in state court to because um, all of that, all of that is preempted by various federal statutes. Um, and well, that's why the, the fraud federal... angle, because the fraud angle is not they've already kind of checked this out legally. So that's the only angle legally the avenue that they have. My, the one last thing I would say about the whole Trump is poison thing is anybody who would doubt that needs to start knocking on doors. Cause I'm telling, I'm not making it up. It's not coming from the media. That is what they tell me at the doors. They don't like him. New Hampshire is a real good bellwether kind of generally for the state, for the country, as far as where the GOP is. And he, it's just, you know, the kind of, middle of the road people i don't like them anyway but yeah no i i agree i think this is a great in a way it's a great political ploy it, it's it's the cover that he needs politically hmm. i don't know all right let's leave that for next year any final I, um, thoughts uh, i have to go uh, today uh, at the normal time i know we started late so i'd like to uh, wish y'all happy new year and uh happy new year uh, 
we'll, uh, we'll see what uh, kind of catastrophes uh, we are presented with in the new year. If only people listen to us, you know, I mean, we would have no problem. We are way ahead of the curve, that I will say. Before you go, Ed, let me just say that one of the positives for this year was your regular addition to this show. So thank you for being with us. Semi-regular. Semi-regular. <laughs> even even semi-regular. Well, you mean irregular. We'd like it to be regular, but we have to take what we can get. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, see you guys. Well, happy thank New you Year, Ed. Happy thank New you. Year. All right. All right. Before all my squares disappear, Closing words from everybody. It will wrap up the year and we'll be back with a roar. We can't finish the year without saying Ed Maslish is still the Ripken. He still has absolute perfect attendance on the show, which <laughs> will never be beaten, which I'm in awe of. Um, okay, Mike, go. Oh, geez, don't put it on me. <laughs> uh, you want I mean, to look... check to the girl on your right? Is that what you're doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's always ladies first, isn't it? Come okay, on. Melissa, ladies first. Final <laughs> thoughts on 2023 or 2022 before the ball drops. <laughs> Final thoughts. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I like I said, I, I am feeling a little bit of optimism when it comes to the, the COVID angle, the censorship angle. I think that um, we're all going to be proven more and more right as time goes on and in less of a time frame than I originally anticipated. Um, it's been, uh, like I said, every, every week, if you miss a week, you missed a ton. It, the news moves really quickly, especially on the COVID front. Um, and, uh, nationally and in New Hampshire, both for next year, next two years, I see a lot of nothing politically happening. Um, I think it's, you know, going to be business as usual in DC, regardless of whatever happened. And in New Hampshire, we have a tied house now. So um, I'm going to keep running my advocacy organization, but it's going to be a lot of defense mode, kind of, you know, not as much fun as I've had over the last two years kind of thing. Mike, you ready? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, no, listen, we touched on a lot of the major issues. Um, I mean, generally, if I'm going to look back on 2022, I, I don't see it as the most positive year. There, there's like a lot of things that, are negative. I mean, we're pointed at some of the positives. I mean, we've learned about how deep the deep state really is when it comes to the FBI and the CIA and how far that they've uh, gone to silence people. Um, to borrow the, the phrase, the enemy of the people. That's basically what they've shown themselves to be. Um, the The midterm elections were a, a disappointment. There's, there's no way around it. What, what happened, no matter what the real causes were, and there are many, um, the Republicans really uh, to to barely win the House, not make gains in the Senate is it just was not not good. I think the as I mentioned at the outset, the economy generally uh, here and globally is a major major concern going forward. Um, I like to say, it's, you know, one morning we're all going to wake up and it's going to be a catastrophe. It's just what it seems like. So. Um, you know, I don't know if there's much to look forward to next year. I agree with Melissa. It's going to be a status quo type of year. I don't think we can expect much out of the Republicans other than some maybe some show hearings on a variety of these issues. Uh, but the the big turning point will come if and when DeSantis does throw his hat in the ring at some point next year, and then it's game on. Okay, Daniel. 
Um, well, what I'd like to see for 2023 is uh, um, Trump crushing all dissent and rolling on and uh, crushing all Democrats. Um, but what I expect to see is, um, unfortunately, um, more globalist moves from all Western governments and possibly the, the, the acceleration of moves towards central bank digital currencies. Um, and I think those are a, a really massive threat. You know, we didn't talk about it, but another big story that's kind of quiet is Brexit. Yeah. And is it going backwards? Um, I expect to see if, if things stay on track as they are now, Labour are going to win big at the next election. Um, all of the problems that we have with, if you're a Conservative with uh, the Conservative Party are there and worse with the, with the Labour Party. Um, and so we will see more mass immigration that we don't want. We will see um, moves towards, I should think, some kind of uh, new deal with the European Union, which would be uh, a version of going back. But they can't do it completely because there would be a level of response that they don't want to spark. So it, it will be some new treaty, probably. That Does the corruption the scandal in the EU help anything with Brexit? Um, our media aren't reporting on it that much. And, um, um, you know, there, there's been some polling that suggests that there's a, a Brexit regret amongst some people. Um, but we haven't really had Brexit. That's the point. We're still paying the EU. Uh, we're still giving them money, our money. Um, and the Conservatives that are in now um, favour close alignment with the EU. So, um, you know, we, we, we've not really had Brexit. We've had it in name. Well, again, the, the one other big issue I don't think we talked about a lot was the war in Ukraine, because you start to look at things where, you know, what, what, what major event could happen that could really, you know, send things reeling. And that is, to me, still a powder keg. And, you know, we have a lot of dumb leaders in this country uh, they're making that situation worse, and so you just never know. What, yeah, what, I mean, what, let's, let's, let's hope what, we get through 2023 without nuclear war. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. Up. You're gonna wrap up the year. I'm gonna wrap up. I've got a, a list of stories that I'll just Surrey item just mention. You guys, uh, Daniel and Mike, just alluded to two of them, and I'll, I'll try and tie it all together. Uh, the the continued march towards a central bank digital currency. Uh, is, is an underreported story. We've talked about it many times on this show. Uh, Daniel is exactly right that it's a huge threat to our liberties, much more of a threat than vaccine passports ever were. Uh, I think it's connected to another scandal that we weren't mentioned that we didn't mention, which was the FTX scandal. Um, and I think one of the possible um, saviors from for a central bank digital currency is if Bitcoin or other uh, cryptocurrencies are able to survive. The FTX scandal is, is, an, is going to be used and is already being used as an attempt to kill the crypto industry and to regulate it basically out of ineffectiveness, out of effectiveness. Um, and the FTX and, and, and segueing on the FTX scandal to the Ukraine issue, which is what Mike raised, uh, I think 
both of them show a gigantic money laundering scheme that's going on in the world. And that's really the big one of the biggest stories of the year is how much money is just being laundered through these offshore companies or countries, whether Ukraine or FTX, to American politicians, whether Democrat or, I mean, Banker and Freed supposedly also gave dark money to Republicans. We don't know yet, uh, but I think those are big stories. Um, I think the gun control decision from the Supreme Court's a big story. Uh, the border crisis, we haven't mentioned it once on this show today, huge story. Uh, the, the Canadian truckers and Trudeau's fascist response was a big story. Uh, the protests in China and Iran. Um, and a big story that uh, that really bothers me is the, the war by the United States government on private citizen Trump, whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid, whether it's the release of his private tax returns. Um, that's just a, a huge story to me that the full force of the U.S. government can be turned on a private individual for no reason. I mean, there's no criminal charges. There's no criminal investigation. He doesn't, you know, people think that he's going to be indicted. I, I, I firmly believe he will never be indicted because if he's indicted, he gets to cross-examine witnesses. He gets to subpoena. He gets a subpoena power to, to see what the evidence is against him. And they don't want that. I, I think this is all a dog and pony show. They're threatening. They're, they're trying to indict him by innuendo rather than actually indict him. And I think they want to make the public think that he's guilty of crimes when he's not guilty of any crime. If he were guilty of a crime, he would have been charged and convicted a long time ago. Um, so I think, oh, and I've got one other, this is a, just a throwaway that's a positive for you, Stephen. And uh, it was the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, that was a big story this year. And, you know, they were really trying to, you know, make him a, a martyr for, for gun control and it didn't work, thank goodness. Um, so I think that was a big story, and I'm I'm glad for how it how it turned out. So, um, as far as you know, 2023, I I don't think it's going to be a status quo year. Um, I think that lots of big things are bubbling. I'm not sure what's going to bubble up first, but uh, I think that we're going to be really surprised at how tumultuous next year is going to be. Um, you know, the United States is is governed by a man who. Uh, I don't know if he's going to run again. I don't even if he does run again, we don't know if he's going to even make it through the campaign. Um, you know, Lyndon Johnson quit in, in January of 1968 during the, you know, during the, the reelection campaign. I don't know if Biden is going to quit during the campaign. I mean, he's frail and old enough that he could die during the campaign. Um, and the world knows that we are being led by somebody who's not really in charge. Uh, it's a dangerous time, as as Daniel and Mike alluded, you know. We have the possibility of nuclear war in 2023. I'm not predicting that. I'm not hoping for it, but it's a really, it's oh, a very real hoping for it. <laughs> I not be hoping for it. No, well, <laughs> no, I'm not hoping. I mean, I hope nobody's hoping for it, but um, it, it's a really, it's a very real possibility. And it's, it's not a widely reported story. And most people don't really understand how, I mean, it, it, I don't think that anyone's finger is on the button right now, but I think people have the keys and are, are turning the key, you know, in the lock to unlock the, the missiles. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a big story. And I don't know what's going to happen in, in 2023. I mean, it, it's a hard thing to predict, uh, but I really don't. I, I think I think the Democrats are trying and, and the globalists like Klaus Schwab 
are trying to accelerate their timetable. I don't know that they think that they're nervous. Uh, it might be that it might be that they're nervous, but it might be that they're just feeling really confident that there is no opposition. Uh, there was very little opposition to COVID. Um, there's no real intellectual opposition to the global <laughs> agenda or to the Marxist agenda, um, other than you know the parental revolt at the school boards. That's the, really the only you know that and, and Daniel's books are the only real opposition to cu cultural Marxism. So um, maybe they just feel really confident that there is no opposition and they can just slice through it like a hot knife through butter. So I don't know. Are you sticking uh, to your predictions on Taiwan or? Uh... <laughs> heck, my prediction on Taiwan has already been wrong. I thought it was going to be invaded this year. So, um, but I think that the Chinese are, um, I think they're angling for it. Um, you know, I think that the, the relaxation of COVID Restrictions in China is, is a significant story. I don't think we really understand the reasons why, other than other than they did they didn't want the optics of another Tiananmen Square. But you know we don't know. I don't know standing from as far away as I am. But um, things are happening in China. I mean their their economy is in worse shape than ours. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't. I don't agree that I, I, my my expectation for 2023 and 2024 is a very tumultuous time. And, you know, I think it's going to be more reminiscent of Carter's last two years than, uh, I don't know, Reagan's last two years, let's say. Mm -hmm. I was looking forward to a break. You can't give me the optimism of thinking that I can get a break. <laughs> well, the break is we have to make our own happiness in our own lives and, um, that's really the, that's really what the, you know, conservative and the individualist mindset is right. That, you know, we're not, you know, we're not controlled by events. We control our reaction to events. And, you know, I mean, you know, not to get too far, get too far from, from the, the topics here, 2022 was a very difficult year for me personally. Um, I'm hoping that 2023 is a better year and, um, but you know, it's up to me to make it a better year. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and hope that, you know, think, you know, good things happen, you know, I've got to find a way to make them happen. And, you know, that's, that's the optimism that I have, Melissa. So, and you do great things and you've done great things. So I have no doubt that you're going to continue to do great things. Okay. I would say the two biggest stories of 2023 is Daniel's going to publish a new book. And our, our fearless leader. I'm loving how five. much you're bigging me up here, but, uh, <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm sure Alu will publish at least five. So having said that, I saw that, <laughs> Melissa. Everybody should go to our uh, home base, Liberty Block. Some of Alu's books are great. You, you forgot to mention the biggest uh, slight of the year, which was YouTube uh, banning us. Oh, my God, you're right. That was the biggest story of the year. They, they uh, ditched Liberty Block. You're right. A badge <laughs> yeah. of honor. And I just want to thank you guys. You are absolutely the best. Um, best group of people anywhere in media, if you ask me. And our combined IQ is pretty damn high. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, continuing to uh, co-host with us. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we know you're very late to do it. So I'm yeah, like, and, and uh, happy new year to everyone. Yep. Happy. I, I, I got to say happy new year to Daniel first. Wait a minute. Daniel's going to hit new year way before we yeah, will. That's what tell I was us what say. happens. <laughs> I have and to say happy new year to him first. He gets there first. Yeah, happy New Year to everybody else. Yes, yeah. I, and I, I don't want to slight Daniel and my 
but the, you know, by not including them in the welcome that I gave to Ed Powell, I'm glad that you guys are both on the show. I hope that you go from semi-regular to regular. Uh, I, I find you guys to be a treat and I really like talking with you and hearing what you guys think and have to say. So uh, you guys really add a lot to what we do here. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. Great panel. Everybody have a wonderful new year and Happy we will new be year. back next week, regular time, hopefully full compliment.